thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. We're going to carry on our series on Elisha. There we go. Okay. Is it too close? Too far away. There we go. Okay. Thank you. See, I can't do it without Joel and Jake either. So all the J's this morning. Okay. Sometimes it's about knowing where to go for help, isn't it? Yeah? It's about knowing the right people and then waiting for the right people. Would you agree? Yeah, because if we don't know where to go, then what do we do? But sometimes we have to wait for that help and sometimes we have to do something about it. Um, But I I can remember Joel ringing us from Gloucester. Sorry, son, I do use you a lot. I do love Joel and I'm not, this isn't derogatory. But sometimes our stories tell us a lot about ourselves, don't they? But I can remember Joel ringing us from Gloucester it was quite late at night. He'd left his keys for his flat in, his, in the works van. And he dropped the keys to the works van into the office. And so he couldn't get in the house. His phone was almost dead. And it looked like he might have to sleep in the front garden. Do you remember this, Joel, yeah? yeah. <laughs> so he phoned me. And he said, Dad, I can't get in my flat. Locked out, I've not got my keys, I won't be able to get the keys till the morning, there's no way I can get them. I think I'm going to phone a blacksmith. (laughs) So I said, why have you got a horse in the garden? (laughs) Or do you need a sword, maybe? I said, I think you might mean a locksmith. And he went, yeah, yeah, that's the one, that's the one. But it's about knowing who to help, isn't it? A blacksmith, yeah, they might, I suppose they could have burnt the door down with their forge. They could have forged him a weapon, a battering ram to get in. But actually, I called someone who lived nearby who Joel waited for. I told Joel, you have to wait. And he waited for them, and he was able to sleep at their house till the next morning. You know, the right person wasn't a blacksmith. The right person wasn't a blacksmith. And very often that story just reminds me that actually we so often go to the wrong people, the wrong places, and we're not willing to wait for help. You know, the right person and waiting was crucial to the provision of help and security for Joel. And it's the same for us. It's the same for us. So today's episode in the life of Elisha is a short one. It's only seven verses long, but it's packed with important principles. And this morning, I pray that God speaks to me, to everybody, to worship band, to the welcome team, to the prayer team, because that's what we're about, isn't it? We want to hear Jesus. So 2 Kings chapter 4, I'm going to read it in chunks, a book, and just so you know to go back and forwards a little bit. So 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets. Do you remember those 7,000 that Elijah had been told were still there? So this woman was a wife of a man from that company of prophets. She cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. 
And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. I'm going to stop there. Verse 1. This woman isn't named. The previous chapters, Elisha has dealt with kings and rulers. We've seen him later on deal with Naaman. We've already read that in a previous series. But she's not important really in life. But she is known. She's known by God. Her and her husband have been faithful. Even though that's the case, she finds herself stuck in a difficult situation. Poverty, debt, at risk of losing her family as a result. Basically, everything could go. That's where she is. And maybe this morning, some of us feel like that, that everything is going or everything could go. But who we cry out to in that moment is the most important thing. She cries out to Elisha because she knows he is not just a good man, but he's God's man. He's God's mouthpiece on earth. She cries out to Elisha, therefore crying out to God. Because in this moment, that's who Elisha represents. So let me ask a first question today. Who are we looking to for help? Who do we run to in those moments? Who are we looking to every day in the simple things for help? Where are we going and crying out to things? You know, God knows us. He knows your name. I've said before, Mike Pilavachi, one of the phrases he uses is that, the, that God knows our sin, but he calls us by our name. The devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. You know, God knows you this morning. God knows your name. He knows your circumstances. He knows your situations. And he knows what will happen next because he's the beginning and the end. He knows what's coming. Psalm 50 verses 9 to 11 say, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. He knows every bird. He knows the insects and his resources are limitless. That is the God we worship. That's who we've said we exalt this morning. He is the one whose resources are endless and yet so often we don't cry out to him daily. He's the one who's gonna help. He longs to help. He longs us to be with him. So cry out to him. Don't delay because you know God might just be waiting for you to cry out. He might be waiting for you. 2 Timothy 2 verse 19 says this, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord, knows those, the Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows those that are his. If you're his this morning, he knows you. And then it says, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord, so that's the ones he knows, must turn away from wickedness. There's a condition. It's not enough that he knows us. We've got to act and turn away from the stuff. Because if we want to know him, we can't turn and face the stuff that's rubbish. If we want to know him, we've got to turn to him and away from the other stuff because otherwise we're going to go down a very difficult road. If you're a Christian this morning, he knows you and is a solid foundation for your life. If you aren't a Christian this morning, he still knows you and he still knows your name, but your foundations are more looking for a blacksmith than looking for what you need. Do you know, God will often use people to answer our prayers. That's what happened with Joel. A person came and, and answered his request for help. The widow's current situation was loss, loss, and more loss coming. Do we feel like that? Loss, loss, and more loss coming. That was the situation. That's the circumstances that she found herself in. But she knows where to look to. 
She doesn't put her eyes on a situation, but she puts her eyes to God and says, God, I need you. Is God our first port of call? Or often our last? So we start, God knows her name and he knows her situation. Verse two says this, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? First of all, I want to say that, as I said before, the chapter before this, Elisha's dealing with kings and rulers, and then he ends up dealing with this woman, and he's keen to help her. The previous chapter, is like, well, you're not listening to God. Why should I help you? Here he's like, I want to help you. This woman who was nobody, this woman who's unimportant, he wants to help her. You know, God has no favourites. God has no favourites. He doesn't treat us any differently. He, he loves us, he loves us, he loves us. And he gave Jesus for all of us. Same present prize gift for our benefit. God is just and fair. You know, the book of James talks about treating everybody fairly. But often it's about character. It's often about character. This woman's character, she is godly. She knows to cry out to God. Elisha's character is known, so she cries out to Elisha. His character is known. He's reliable. You know, if I went for a job and they asked someone for a reference and they wrote this, well, his father was great at selling boilers and kitchens and central heating. He was a fantastic example to the local church. His grandmother was faithful and steadfast. They might write back saying, we don't want to breed from him. We want to know what he's like. You know, who has come before you has shaped you. But this morning, God knows your character. He knows right to the heart. He isn't interested in those that have gone before you right in this moment. He is interested in you. And he says, how can I help you? How can I help you? Elisha was a man of godly character. This woman knew she would be treated fairly. And she knew because God demonstrated it time and time again to her and her husband. She'd seen the example of faithfulness. It goes on in James chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, sorry. It says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? There's a question, isn't it? Do you find yourself in fights and quarrels, arguments and, and disruption? Well, what causes fights and quarrels among you? James says this. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Yeah, they do. Mostly the wrong desires. Mostly the desires for the wrong thing. Verse 2, you desire but you do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That's where this woman is different. She comes to God and she knows he's got the answer to her problems. She doesn't sit there and go, well, I want this for myself, for my own selfishness. She says, God, help me. She doesn't go to him and say, I want you to do this, God. She says, God, help me. However that looks, God, help me, cries out. You know, the person asking needs to have the right motives that comes from character. Sometimes our biggest need is that of prayer, and yet it is often the hardest thing to do. I know it is because even on a Sunday night, it's less busy in here than on a Sunday morning. That's not always easy for people with children. I get that. But let's cry out to God, not just for ourselves, but for our church, for our town, for our country, for our world. This woman was of godly character and brings her needs to God. And Elisha's answer is, what have you got at home? 
Elisha's answer to her is, what do you have at home? Sometimes the answer is closer than we think. Sometimes it's about what we already have in our hands. That's what we as a church have seen very often. Yet, you know, sometimes we disregard the things that are available and closest to home, and that can include people. We disregard those that are closest to home. We write them off, or we perhaps don't give them the credit they're due. And Elisha says to her, what have you got? What have you already got? What do you have? And I'm going to say to you this morning, when you're crying out to God, God knows what you've got. Even if you think you've got nothing, God knows you've got the very little that's needed. Her response is this. Verses go on to say this. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said. And then a little bit of a brainwave hits her. Except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. That's an interesting thing. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. It's private. God sometimes asks us to do things that are behind closed doors so that when we pray, we see the blessing and we don't shout about it at first. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. You know, the woman asks the right person and she comes to the right place and the answer is not, here you are, an immediate solution. Do you know, when we ask for help, more often than not, we want an immediate solution, don't we? We want it on a plate in front of us so that we can just pick it up and go with it. You know, Joel might have expected me to drive all the way down to Gloucester, batter his door down, pay for the bill of battering the door down or phone a locksmith for him. But actually, sometimes the answer isn't what we expect. Sometimes it involves waiting. Sometimes it's not an immediate solution because with this woman, she's cried out to God for help. Elisha says, what do you have at home? And then he gives her the solution. But there is still some way to go. God's answer sometimes means there's still some way to go. Because sometimes it depends on us. All that she has is a small bottle of olive oil. You'd love that, Naomi, wouldn't you? You'd love your olive oil. We've come back from Crete. Olive oil was everywhere, you know? And I don't mean, gag, 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 I'll save you. I don't mean that, okay? That was a Popeye impression for those who didn't get it. You know, it was available as soap. It was available as shampoo. It was available as wooden bits of wood. <laughs> It was there to be served before every meal. It was there to do all sorts of things. It was readily available because everywhere you went, there were trees of olives and olive groves. In the Old Testament, olive oil was seen as a commodity. It was like gold. It was like money. It was to be used to buy things. It was either used for cooking or for anointing the body. And it was something you could use to exchange for other things. It was a valuable resource. She has just a small bottle of olive oil. She might even have been saving it for her own burial, for when she died. Possible. But it was the only thing she had. And then it was a tiny amount. So what does Elisha ask her for? What's the solution to her cry? What's the answer to her prayers? The answer to her prayers starts with obedience. Elisha asks for obedience. 
He says, go and ask your neighbours and borrow some jars, but don't just ask for a few. He goes and says, ask for help. Do you know, God will involve others in the situation. He won't just drop it on a plate for us. He won't just say, here you are, there you go, nicely wrapped up in a bow. Because often there are steps to take to see God's faithfulness and provision. Elisha says, go and ask for jars. You need empty vessels. You need empty things to be filled. You need empty things so that it can be filled. Why? So others can be part of the blessing and also see the faithfulness of God in your life and situation. God wants to use everybody. You know, not just the few that are running things, not just the few that are doing the tech this morning, the worship, the welcome. Everybody is invited to come and take part. And yet so often we want to sit on a seat. Verse 5 says this, So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. Yeah, that she kept pouring. Little jar of oil, empty jars coming. Shapes and sizes, big, small, a bit like church. Big, small, I'll leave it there because otherwise I'll offend people. Wide like me, narrow like Joel. That's the, I'll leave it there, okay. She kept pouring. That's faith. She just had a little jar, but she kept pouring. She kept pouring because she'd been told to. And she was obedient. And what happened was a miracle. She kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Do you know, they had to be active in their obedience. They couldn't just sit and wait for it to happen. They had to be active in their obedience. They had to do something. In the Bible, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So when the oil is flowing from the temple, it's a sign that the Holy Spirit is flowing through our lives or should be. But the problem is so often we're not empty vessels, we're filled with other stuff. So often we ram our lives with so much other things that God gets left out of it and he fills just the little, the little bits in between. We've got to be filled. And to be filled, we've got to be empty of the other stuff. You know, I think there's a song, isn't it, that says, he emptied himself of all but love. Jesus emptied himself of all but love because he gave himself on that cross for us. As the woman pours, her sons reach out to neighbours. In asking God for help, more people are brought in to serve and be obedient. And the widow just keeps pouring. In the whole process, God keeps providing until there is no empty vessels left. He keeps filling until there is no empty vessels left. You know, this morning, we could read this passage and go, well, if empty vessels are available, God wants to fill them. And that's true. If you're willing to say, God, I'm yours. Fill me. I'll get rid of the other stuff. Fill me with your spirit completely. He will. He will. But, you know, sometimes we don't want to empty the rest out. Sometimes we don't want to empty everything else out because we think if we do that, we'll miss out on something. Well, if you don't, you'll miss out on the best. If you don't, you'll miss out on the fullness of God. You know, your goodness keeps running after me. We've sung this morning. He's pursuing us this morning and he says, 
I want to fill you. I want to fill you with my love and my life and my spirit. Another thing we can say as we read this passage is if the provision stops, then we've got what we need. If the provision stops, we've got what we need. There was no more jars to fill. The the, the oil stopped flowing because there was no more empty jars. She had enough to pay her debts. She had enough to live off. She had enough because our God is the God of the more than enough. Yeah? He's the God of the more than enough. And even so, this woman, remember her circumstances, she had nothing, 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 lost, lost, lost. And yet, by the end of these seven verses, we see a woman who has more than enough. Why? Because she cries out to God and then is obedient to what he asks her to do. It, that's the simplicity of it. He's obedient. She's obedient to God. She could sell the oil, use the oil, and the circumstances are dealt with. Debt paid, future secure. God's provision is enough. So what do we learn from this seven verses of Elisha's life? What do we learn? Well, first of all, who we cry out to is vital. Who we cry out to is vital. If you're crying out to someone just asking for money, that's not what's vital. We need to cry out to God and say, God, fill me. God, I need you. And I need you to provide however you want to provide because God's ways are higher. God's ways are better. Not always easier, but they are better. Number one, who we cry out to is vital. Number two, waiting is important. It wasn't an immediate answer. It wasn't a, here you go, there's your money, pay your debts, off you go. It was a, you've got to do something. I want you to step out. So first of all, she asked her neighbours. Second of all, she filled, got empty jars. And thirdly, she kept pouring. She kept pouring. You know, in her mind, what must have gone through it? This is bonkers. I've got this little tiny jar and you want me to keep pouring. You know, I've got a bottle over here of Fanta grape, okay? If I was to get every glass and mug we've got in that cupboard and kept pouring in front of you now and said, look, I've prayed that God will provide because I like Fanta grape and I want more Fanta grape, then actually, if God really says, Johnny, you don't need Fanta grape, then, <laughs> amen, yeah. <laughs> then actually, the chances are, that's how much I'm going to have, isn't it? She has this little bottle of olive oil. She has jars stacked up in front of her sons. Her sons are probably thinking, mum's gone mad. She's had us going around the neighbourhood. Not only that, the neighbours are going to think we're bonkers. Because mum's got this little bottle of olive oil and she's going to keep pouring it and keep pouring it and keep pouring it and keep pouring it. Do you know, she had the faith to step out and go, well, God said so. God has said so. And she got the bottle and she poured, she poured. And by the end, every single jar that was available in that neighbourhood was filled from that little bottle. You know, the Bible is full of those stories where God says, bring what you have and I will make it more than enough. This morning, you might say, I've got nothing. And God says, actually, you've got something. You've got a mouth. For some of us, that's a problem. You've got hands that can help. You've got feet that can go. You've got people that you're connected to. You've got a church that that cares. You've got people who are willing to do things. So I just want you to step out and start pouring. But rely on me, says God. 
Rely on me. Not the things you've got. Rely on me. Whatever our circumstances today, we need to check our character first. This woman was of godly character. Elisha was of godly character. She cries out to God and Elisha says, go and do so. She goes and does. And what happens? She gets more than enough. Has the flow of God's spirit stopped? Is that what this story is saying? That the oil stopped flowing? No. It's just that God has brought enough for her to deal with her situation. She's brought more than enough. Maybe, do you know, maybe this morning as we finish, maybe we've stopped being empty enough for him to fill. Maybe we have filled our lives, our hearts, our desires with things that God says, no, 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 no. It's going to damage you. No, it's not going to bring the best. No, it's not really the way I want to take you. Or maybe this morning, maybe he's already provided what you need and you're just not looking in the right place. What she already had was there and God used what she had and invited others to get involved. You know, John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Let me read that again. Very truly I tell you, this is Jesus, the son of God speaking. The one who turned water into wine. The one who walked on water. The one who did incredible miracles. Who used a boy's packed lunch to feed thousands. I tell you, the son could do nothing by himself. If that's Jesus, why do we keep trying to do it all by ourselves? Why do we keep trying to do it all in our own strength and power? Why do we all keep trying to do it in the way that we do it instead of the way God wants us to do it? Because if Jesus says the son can do nothing by himself, he needs God, the spirit too. We need Father, Son and Holy Spirit more than Jesus. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Do you know? I only can do what I see the Father doing. We need to watch for what God is doing in our community and get involved. That's what this verse is saying. The community got involved. The whole neighbourhood brought jars. Everybody was involved. Everybody was active. Everybody was scrambling to find things in the cupboard to help. They didn't just sit and watch and say, oh, that's very good, God. Well done, you've made some oil into a bigger jar of oil. The community got involved. Why? Because they saw something that God was doing. Let me ask a question today. What do we think God's doing in Barrow? What do we think God's doing in this church, through this church? Do you see things that God's doing through this church? If God's doing it, get involved. I only do what I see my father doing. We as a church need more jar collectors. We as a church need more of those people bringing the empty vessels to be filled, starting with our own lives. Starting with our own lives. I don't mean literally. We need more people seeing what God is doing and getting involved. So I ask you again, what is God doing? That question is to everybody here this morning and online. What is God doing? Because if you cannot give me an answer to that question, my next question is, what are you doing to get involved in it? What are you doing to get involved in it? How are you saying, I see what God's doing, and I'm going to go? You know, watching isn't getting involved. Somebody once said, 
We don't want to be, we don't want to be a cruise ship. We want to be a battleship. Well, you know, on every battleship, you still get rest. <laughs> but it's not about sitting on a seat. It's about getting involved. And today, as I do finish, there's the promise of hope. Maybe we are one of those empty vessels that needs to be filled. Maybe today you're feeling empty. Maybe you're feeling on quarter full. Maybe you're feeling half full. Maybe, maybe you're just less than full. God says to you, bring your emptiness to me. I want to fill it. And this morning as we finish, if you're a Christian this morning, if you're feeling empty, God says, don't be. Cry out to me. I want to fill you with my presence. I want to fill you with my spirit. You know, that is one thing we don't need to wait for. We just need to ask the right person in the right place. So this morning, if you're not a Christian, get rid of the rubbish and bring your empty vessel to him to say, God, fill me. Because Jesus died so that we might live. Jesus died so we might have his spirit. He bled and died on that cross so that you wouldn't have to face the punishment. But you've got to make steps to do something with that. If you're a Christian this morning, if, if, if you read this story and you go, actually, I feel a bit empty, then don't cry out to me. <laughs> don't cry out to your neighbour. Cry out to God. Because he is the sustainer, the author. He is the perfecter. And only he can fill us to the brim. Do you want to be filled? Ask him. Let's pray. Father God, I feel um, this morning that many of us live life at 100% when actually we sometimes need to slow down. Father, I feel that many of us this morning fill our days, our minutes, our hours with, with things that just are nothing to do with you and things that actually go against you. So Father God, in this place this morning, I pray you will point them out to us. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to remove the things that are just getting in the way of you. And Father, I pray that we will bring our empty lives to you and say, God, fill them afresh so that I can pour out. Because as we pour out you, you multiply it. So Father, let us, I ask that we're willing to receive you this morning. Father, I pray for every single life in this place and every one of us comes because we want to change. We want to be transformed. And Father God, we can only have that transformation because of Jesus. So Father God, in this place, on this morning, we cry out and say, God, fill us. Fill us. You are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. You are the promise keeper. You are the light in the darkness. And we can do nothing without you. So Father, in this place, pour out your spirit, we pray. Just as you've promised. But Father God, show us what we need to do, where we need to step, what we need to empty so that you will fill and fill and fill and fill again. So Father God, in this place, help us to learn from this story that you are a God who answers prayer. You are a God that gives enough and more than. You are a God that wants to pour into our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen.